Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we launch a new series. That's right, a mini-series in the book of Revelation. It's amazing, church. We just finished preaching Genesis. Now we're jumping to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. The title of our series is Revitalize. Revitalize. Pray like your life depends on it. Revitalize. Pray like your life depends on it. And the goal of this mini-series is that it would motivate us to pray as we see the risen and ruling Lord Jesus Christ. That's the goal. For prayer is the engine of revitalization. What motivates us to pray is seeing afresh and anew the risen Lord Jesus Christ, who is ruling and reigning His creation, His church. And today's message is entitled, Witnesses. Witnesses. The text is Revelation 1, 1 through 8. Revelation 1, 1 through 8, Witnesses. So turn there. Revelation, last book of the Bible. Easy to find. Chapter 1. We're going to read these eight verses. I'll read them out loud. You read them silently. This is the Word of God, church. Let us inside stand in our minds, pay attention, because this is God's word. So read it along silently with me as I read it out loud. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God. And to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia... Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests, To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, sends the Lord God, who is... And who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We go from the first book of the Bible, Genesis, that we just finished preaching through, to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and we see the exact same purpose that runs through the entire scripture. And here it is, that God would bless his image bearers and send them out throughout the world to be fruitful and to multiply and make more image bearers. In the New Testament, we call those disciples. 
This is the purpose, to populate the world with more image bearers by preaching the gospel and seeing converts and seeing disciples made, people that look like Jesus, Christians, under God's rule and authority, exercising that rule and authority through his word, by his spirit, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only problem is, the world in which they were sent was a very hostile world to the gospel and to God's image bearers. This letter, this prophecy is written by John the Apostle in the late first century by inspiration of God the Holy Spirit to the seven churches in Asia. So why don't you show that map there on the screen and I will get my new toy because my old toy doesn't work anymore. So these seven churches you'll see right here on the screen Yeah, so it doesn't work on the screen. Isn't that beautiful? Ha ha. Imagine it's working on the screen. You see these seven churches right here. You see them in green. Let's take a look at them. That, that, by the way, is modern-day Turkey. The seven churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And if you'll see there, modern-day Turkey, to the left you'll see Greece, Israel, you see Syria, and then coming down on the right-hand side, you'll see Israel. And right off the coast of Turkey, right off the coast where those green names are, is the island of Patmos. The island of Patmos. And what's happening is that John, as an elderly apostle, most likely the last living apostle, has been exiled to this island of Patmos by Caesar, who's the king of the world at that point, the Roman Empire. And so because he's a Christian, because he's preaching the gospel, John has been exiled to this island of Patmos. My wife and I had a chance to go visit ancient Ephesus last fall, and we saw the area where John lived. And as history would have it, he probably took care of Jesus' mother. When Jesus was on the cross, he said to John, take care of her. And she probably was living with him in ancient Ephesus, one of the churches addressed here. But he was now exiled, and he's an old man, and he's dying, and there's lots of pressure on the church. And God says to John, remember my purpose. Remember the promise that I made to Adam in the garden, when I said, go and multiply, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with my image bearers. But Adam and Eve chose the sin against God. And then God said, I'm going to bring a savior in Genesis 3.15. And he repeated that promise to Noah. And he repeated that promise to Abraham. And he repeated that promise. This promise is the covenant of grace to Moses. And he repeated that promise to David. And now, Thousands of years later, he says to John, that promise that began the Bible in Genesis and is the subject of all the entire Bible and unifies the Bible is still my promise in Revelation. Go, make disciples of all the nations and encourage those Christians that live in these seven areas and in these seven churches, which by the way, these seven churches represent all the churches over all time. They're representative of all of us. This message is for us because the world we live in today is hostile to God's image bearers. But Jesus Christ is Lord over the kings of the earth, just as he was Lord over Caesar. So Caesar, who has put you on this island, John, let me remind you, he's under my authority. I'm Jesus. And he gets this revelation. And he says, go, 
make disciples of all the nations. And John wrote this to a church under pressure to continue God's purpose to be image bearers, to make disciples throughout all the earth. And the, the, the purpose for this is that they might pray, they might seek God, they might receive the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to go be witnesses in all the earth. And that's the same purpose that we have today in preaching it in this mini-series, that we would begin to pray as if our lives depended on it, as if God's agenda depended on it. Now we understand God is sovereign and His will will be done. But Jesus tells us to pray. He tells us to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We're to pray as if our lives and this mission depended on it, but we're to trust knowing that it depends on God and his faithfulness. But God calls us to pray, and that is the impetus of this series, that we would be a praying church, the kind of church, the kind of prayer that we pray when we get that diagnosis, the kind of prayer we pray when we're about to go into surgery, the kind of prayer that we pray when things get difficult. It's the prayer that is to inform our lifestyles individually and corporately. That is what we're praying that God would do, that we would pray as a church. When we get together one-on-one, when we get together in our community groups, in, in singles, and we get together in youth, we would pray, pray, pray. In fact, we would pray that we would be faithful witnesses. And that is the summary statement of this text this morning. Christ, the faithful witness, calls us to be faithful witnesses to the nations. Christ, the faithful witness, calls us to be faithful witnesses to the nations. This is what we're praying for, that we would be faithful witnesses. Because how many of us, church, don't sit back and think, man, it's tough to be a witness for Christ right now. When I open my mouth and share about Jesus, I can be relegated to either fanaticism or just frivolence, you you don't really matter, or even labeled as intolerant if I say that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And so we we could be fearful, We we can kind of pull back on the testimony and witness of Jesus Christ, and God is giving us this scripture to say, no, look at Jesus, I am the ruler over all of these kings. I rule over the president of the United States. I rule over the leader of North Korea. I rule over the leader of Russia. I rule over the leaders of Cuba. I rule over the leaders of Nicaragua. I rule over the leaders of the European Union. I am the one who rules over all. I'm the sovereign. So pray to me. I'm the one that sends you. This is my purpose. It will be done. And I want to use you. Pray to me. Look at verse 1. We see here the purpose of the book of Revelation. That purpose is found for John to be a witness to us so that we would be witnesses. And we hear and read in verse 1 that an angel was sent by the Lord Jesus Christ to bear testimony or witness to John about these things. In fact, at the end of the book of Revelation, on the screen, we understand that it's Jesus, in fact, who does send that angel. Revelation 22, 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches, for us. 
I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promised seed of the woman who would slay the serpent in Genesis 3.15. Jesus is the one through whom God will bless the nations, the promise he made to Abraham. Jesus is the lamb of God that was shed and whose blood was shed and put on the doorposts of Israel so that the death angel would pass over them and they would be delivered from bondage in Egypt, a picture of the world and from Pharaoh, a picture of Satan, into the promised land. Jesus is the son of David, the king of kings who was prophesied would rule and reign on the throne of David forever and ever and ever. Jesus says, that's me. And I'm ruling. And I'm sending you. And in verse 2, we read here in the text that John bears witness. Look at that, verse 2. John, who bore witness. That word witness is, is translated from the Greek word martuterion. Martuterion. You hear the word martyr from that. And basically what it's saying is that, yes, that witness will involve laying down your lives, but I am the resurrection and the, from the dead. I will sustain you. I will sustain you even if you're like John on the island of Patmos, an exile. Do you feel like an exile sometimes at school when you're roaming the halls? Maybe you're in Flanagan High School. Maybe you're a senior. And everybody knows you're a Christian. And sometimes you can feel like an exile. Maybe you work at a pharmaceutical company. Maybe you work at a, at a tech company. Maybe you have your own business or you're a teacher. And, and you can just feel kind of like John. Right? I'm, I'm a little exiled over here. I've been assigned a label. And that label says, mm. and God wants to encourage us. You may be in exile, but I am Lord of all. And you can trust me as my witnesses. Take heart, dear believer. Christ has given you this revelation to bless you. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. I'll take that blessing. And blessed are those who hear, that's you, and blessed are those who keep what is written for the time is near. That's us. We're the ones that are blessed. We blessed to hear it. We blessed to believe it. We're blessed to keep it by the grace of God. Why? Because the time is near. The time is near. The end times prophesied, particularly in the book of Daniel. Revelation borrows from the prophecy of Daniel. And, and he's saying that time has come. The end times have begun. Jesus has come. He's inaugurated the kingdom. His life, death, resurrection, and ascension. He poured out the Holy Spirit along with the Father. You have the Spirit. We're in the end times. It's here. He has come. And his rule and reign is being expanded throughout the earth through the preaching of his gospel. That's what he's saying to people that are under pressure. And in verses 4 and 5, we see the triune God greeting his church. The triune God. In verses 4 and 5, you see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit greeting his church. Look at it with me. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, here's God's blessing and greeting. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. He is the God of history. This is the same greeting that God gave to Moses 
Back in Exodus 3.14 on the screen at the burning bush, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. He is the one who is, who was, and who is to come. It's the same greeting as in Deuteronomy 32.39 on the screen. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. Caesar is under me, is what he's saying. I kill... And I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I can deliver you out of the hand of Caesar anytime I want to, but none can deliver out of my hand to include Caesar. Our God is the great I am, the God over all history. He alone is the one that gives true grace and peace. And see where it says there the seven spirits who are before the throne. This simply is a reference to the Holy Spirit who his effective working on earth and in our lives. It is the Spirit who communicates God's grace and peace to us and empowers us for the witness that we might burn brightly as witnesses of God's grace in Christ because Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. Look at that in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ. Christ, the faithful witness. Point one, Christ, the faithful witness. Verse five is going to give us a summary of Christ's role. In verse five, we see that Jesus Christ is first, the faithful witness. This is the one of whom Isaiah prophesied, the one who would be the witness, the one who would send us out as faithful witnesses. Jesus Christ, the one who would rule on the throne of David as God's king, Forever and ever, the king over all. Isaiah 43, verses 10 to 13 on the screen. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no stranger, strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also, henceforth, I am He. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? Dear Christian, when you have God's favor in Christ, and you do if you're a Christian, none can touch you unless God allow it. Dear non-Christian, if you do not know the Lord, no one, nothing can deliver you from God's hand. I beg you, come to Christ, bended knee, worshiping him as Lord. Next we read that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Look at that with me in verse 5. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Jesus is the one who rose from the dead. This is a clear reference to Christ's resurrection and is to his preeminence as the firstborn from the dead. Colossians tells us this. On the screen, Colossians 1.18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Then in everything, he might be preeminent. Put this together with me. You ready? 
We preached that God blessed man in Genesis. Man rebelled against God and said, no, thank you, God. And then God said, I'll bring a savior. And God destroyed the earth because the earth was wicked. And then God recreated the earth through Noah and his family. He recreated everything and repopulated it. Noah is often called the second Adam. But, but the earth still needed a recreation. We still need a cre- recreation. So Jesus, the last Adam, is the firstborn of a new creation. Christian, you are a new creation. No longer the old. You may have been born in Cuba. You may have been born in Nicaragua. You may have been born in Colombia. You may have been born in Hialeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter your blood. Doesn't matter what your background is. You need to be born again. And Jesus Christ is the one who recreates. He he inaugurates the recreation. That's why his resurrection was so important. That's why his ascension into heaven was so important. So that when he was resurrected, when he ascended into heaven, God said yes, approved, and poured out his spirit to then recreate us. The Bible says you're dead in your sins and you need to be born again. Not rehabilitated, born again. Jesus and his work is now applied to you by the Holy Spirit and he gives you new life. So if this makes sense to you, if you're convicted by this, if you say, man, am I born again? And it bothers you today. God's speaking to you. If you go home and it doesn't bother you at all, he's not. And I warn you, he needs to be. But if you are, then he is beginning to make you alive to this truth. And Jesus is the head of that new creation. He is the one born again in the sense of he was raised from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. And that's what is being referenced here. He inaugurated this new creation that God promised. We are that new creation. And we have the same promise of life now that Adam and Eve forfeited. Of blessing that they forfeited. We have it in Christ. And we have the same call to go out and make disciples. To go into all the earth and repopulate image bearers. Those are Christians. That's making disciples. And finally, in verse 5, it says that Jesus is the ruler of kings on earth. Don't you know that God was specifically saying to John on Patmos, I am the ruler. Jesus is saying this. I am the ruler over the Caesar who put you here. Now, that opens up a whole other line of conversation between John and God, right? Excuse me, Jesus, there's no air conditioning on this island. Fine. Have that conversation. But don't be afraid of Caesar. Because no one can deliver you from God, but God can deliver you from Caesar. Now, he might deliver you by ending your life on this earth, in which case you see God's face, you see God face to face. But even in your life, he is ruler over the kings of the earth. He's ruler over your boss at work. He's even ruler over the traffic in Miami. (laughs) Now, he may have chosen to put you right in the middle of that traffic and have the craziest drivers ever all around you. But he he put you there. So who do you cry out to? Him. Right? We could trust him, church. He's got us where we are. He rules all. He has a purpose for your life if you are saved, and he will accomplish that purpose. That is what the church needed to hear in the first century. That's what the old man John needed to hear as an exile on the Isle of Patmos. That's what I need to hear. Today, when I walk into the building and, and the uh, custodian, Margarita, says, Me, ay, pastor, perdón, pastor, I'm sorry. It's happened again. If you're a guest, last week we couldn't meet here because there was a police-involved shooting right outside that door right there. So we met at someone's house, 89 of us. 
So I get here this morning. He says, Pastor, I'm so sorry. The AC's off. She was so cute. She was so cute. She looked at me in Spanish. She said, don't worry, Pastor. You guys go have that service and sweat for the Lord. And you give, you give Satan a black eye. <laughs> and I, God bless her. I loved her faith. And, and I didn't say this to her, but I said, actually, Satan didn't do this to us. It was God's will that the AC was broken today. What? I thought God only willed things that were for my comfort and for my good. And how could he have put me in this job where this person doesn't appreciate me and it's so horrible? Because he's got a purpose for you that you may not be aware of. And his purposes are above yours. So what do we do when that happens? We bow our knee. We say, Jesus, your Lord. That's hard to do, isn't it? <laughs> That's practical Christianity. Yeah, he's God over Caesar. Caesar's evil. But he's also God over you and what you want right now. Ooh. Owie, owie, owie. But that encourages me. And it encouraged the church. Jesus rules over our enemies. Listen, the church had enemies. Not just external enemies like Caesar. But you're going to read later on as we preach through these first three chapters. Internal enemies. There were heresies that were going on. There were people believing and preaching the wrong thing. And then forget about those people. Yes, they're in the church. But there's an enemy right inside of me. It's called the flesh. When I don't do what God calls me to do. Jesus is Lord over them all. And in my worst moment, when I am not acting like a Christian, I'm not bearing God's image. I'm bearing Satan's image in the ugly things coming out of my mouth right now. Not right now, but hypothetically. I'm bearing the image of not the Lord God Almighty who is kind and benevolent, but of the underworld, small g God. But even in that moment, he's Lord over your life and he died for you and he will change you. Sometimes he'll use broken air conditioning to change you. Sometimes. Not always. That's the point that's being made here. He's the one that rules over all. He is the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is the ruler of all the kings on the earth. And he calls us to go be his witnesses. Point two. We are his faithful witnesses. I love what it says there at the end of five and into six. You see five kind of has a break in my Bible. It's like a new paragraph. So it starts off, and from Jesus Christ, you're with me, look at five. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, indention. To him, Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, verse six now, a kingdom, comma, priest to the God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. What's amazing is the ruler over all, the one that created all and rules over all, even Caesar, chose to come down to this earth and to live as a servant, to die for your sin, Christian, for the sins of his people. What ruler would do that? Caesar wouldn't do that. He did it to free you. Free me from what, Al? From sin, bitterness, and anger, and fear, and anxiety, and insanity, and rage, depression. He came to set you free. All right, great. Is that the end game? He sets me free, so now I can just go be free. No, he set you free to make you a kingdom and priests. Hmm, that sounds an awful lot. Like what God said in Exodus when he was drawing his people, the Old Testament people, we are part of that people, out of Egypt when he spoke to them in Exodus 19.6 on the screen. And you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation 
These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. This is what God said to Moses to speak to the people. I saved you out of Egypt to be a kingdom of priests. I'm saving you into the promised land to be my people. What do priests do? Priests represent God to his people and priests represent his people to God. You see, this whole idea of prayer is the whole idea of intercessory prayer. And that's why I love this church. God created you. God God created your ancestors. God set them up. God defined the boundaries of this world. We know that from scripture. We know that from what we read in Genesis. We know that from Acts 17. God set you up and had you born where you were and your family to come from where they come from so that you would be his people reaching others for Christ. This whole idea of intercessory prayer is so that you would take that burden you carry for whatever land you're from, whatever people you're from, and you would represent them to God as a Christian in what? Intercessory prayer. This is our call, church. The church is the house of prayer. We're like that, like Jacob's ladder, right? Angels ascending and descending. We're that place where heaven and earth touch. Jesus being the one that made that connection possible, but he calls you to represent him to the world, bearing witness at work, bearing witness at how you do your work, bearing witness at how you are uh, sharing with people, <laughs> bearing witness at how you drive. Oh, Lord, please help me with that one. Bearing witness at how you raise your children, bearing witness at how you deal with uh, difficulties and disappointments in your life. So you're bearing witness of God as his priest to people, and then you're carrying those people on your back, and you're going to God, and you're kneeling before him and saying, Oh, God, I pray for my, my parents. I pray for their marriage. Lord, I pray for my neighbors. Lord, I pray for that, that family that has the party every weekend. And because of them, I now have you know earplugs, like nuclear earplugs, that a bomb could go off next to my head. I won't listen. I, pray, I even pray for that guy who has that dog that loves to bark at two in the morning. And because I, we're on the second story, it sounds like he's right next to my ear barking. Do, do we? <laughs> or do I... Do something else. I, I, I bear Margarita to the Lord in prayer. I bear you to the Lord in prayer. You bear me. We're priests called to represent man to God and represent God to man. That's the point of this text. Don't stop representing God to man even when man may reject you because amongst those that are rejecting you, amongst Caesar's praetorian, amongst those leaders, amongst the very poor of the poor, amongst those that are so different from me that I I almost fear walking into their neighborhood. I am called to represent God and if God sends me in there, then I'm going to do it with faith that there are God's people there. Even if it looks like there's no people of God there. There are people of God there that are still fast bound in darkness, wherever they may be in this world or in this city. And God says, go represent me by faith. Cause I rule and I rose. And then once you get to know them, represent them to God in prayer. That's the point. That's what priests do because Jesus Christ Jesus Christ rules over all because Jesus Christ saved us and set us free by his blood. And Jesus Christ reigns. It says we're a kingdom and we have a king. You see, Revelation is the fulfillment of Daniel, specifically Daniel 7, 13 to 14 on the screen. This is what the angel said to John. This that Daniel prophesied several hundred years ago has now been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I saw in the night visions, Daniel prophesying. 
And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. That's Jesus. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. That all peoples, all nations, that's why racism is so odious to God. And all languages, that's a reversal of the curse at the Tower of Babel that we preached a few weeks ago. Should serve him. Should serve him. Should serve him. Not me, not you, him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion forever and ever, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Rome was destroyed. Every great kingdom will be destroyed, save the kingdom of God. We are his subjects, his people. But more than that, we're his children. He's adopted us. He died for us. He rose from the dead and he sends us out with great grace to go and preach the gospel. He's in control of all history, church. Greg Beale in his commentary on Revelation said the following on the screen. The God who transcends time guides the entire course of history because he stands as sovereign over its beginning and over its end. I love the way it ends. Verses 7 and 8. Read them with me. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. That's a difficult passage to translate in the Greek. One of the interpretations is the people that are wailing are those, great and small, even kings, who bow their knee to Jesus. And when they see him coming, they're wailing. They're actually saying, glory be to God. But mark it down, the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord on that day. And then verse 8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Listen, Jesus is the Alpha, the beginning. Jesus is the end, the Omega, and he's everything in between. Genesis to Revelation. And then, then John repeats this threefold uh, naming of God that he, he used in, in verse 4. He repeats it in verse 8 to give us these bookends on this section of Scripture. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. And this is how he ends it. The Almighty. The Almighty. The Greek word there is a great word. I love this word. I love saying this word. Pantocrator. Pantocrator. The Almighty. It just sounds strong, doesn't it? I am the Pantocrator. For a Greek in the first century, he knew exactly what he was saying. That's capital A, Almighty. I am the one that rules all of history and I rule your history. There's no one bigger or badder than me. There's no one stronger than me is what I mean. There's no one who, who loves you. There's no one that has died for you and risen from the dead for you. If you are his people and if you are, you listen to this. And if you have not repented and believed, you do it now, right now. He is the Pantocrator. He is the Almighty. He is the risen Lord. And he's sending us out with faith. And to do that, to go out with faith, we must pray. We must pray to Jesus who is, who was. Who is to come? He's everything. And he blesses us. He blesses us that we would go be a blessing to the nations. We preached that last week. We are Abraham's children, children of faith. 
And he wants to bless the nations through us, and that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are blessed that we might go out to be a blessing to the nations by being faithful witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are witnesses, but we do not witness, and we do not live apart from him. Indeed, we cannot witness, and we cannot live apart from him. Our connection to him, both individually and corporately, is the very source of our strength. It is what fuels our proclamation of him and his work in the world. Indeed, that's why we must pray as if our lives depended on it. Because our life's in Christ and he bids us pray. He will hear those prayers. Christ is the faithful witness. We must pray as if our lives, God's purpose depends on it. Understanding that God's will will be done, whether we pray or not. But we pray by grace, because he allows us to and calls us to. For the forces arrayed us against us and against our Lord are strong, but they're not stronger than he. For he is the Almighty One. Let us pray. Worship team, would you join me up front? Father, I pray for your grace this morning. As I preach this message, I realize that oftentimes I get a little bit lazy. Lord, I I get a little bit complacent. And Lord, there are times where I I become fearful. I think, you know, I love you, Lord Jesus. I love the people at Palm Vista. But it's just getting a little bit too controversial out there for me to speak your gospel. Lord, it's getting a little bit too hot out there. Or, Or some may be fearing, Lord, what about... These nations that seem like rogue nations that could push a button and change my history or history. Lord, what about the difficulties? Lord, what about those forces arrayed? Lord, what about the evil in our land? What about the evil in my heart, Lord? Can I even stand and bear witness of you, Jesus, when I know that I struggle with sins in private that no one knows about? Lord, I pray that we would see you as the risen Lord Jesus, the one who loved us by shedding your blood for us to free us from those sins, the one whose righteousness we trust, not our own, the one who is ruler over all, all the kings. Lord, you're the faithful witness. Help us. Give us the grace to be faithful witnesses. You love to use the weak, and at least in the world's eyes, the insignificant the humble, because all the glory is yours. Lord God, you are the God over all. You are the God over all. And we thank you. Lord, build our faith even as we sing that confession right now. God over all, giver of life and breath and everything. Help us, Lord. Help us to be faithful witnesses individually and corporately. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand and let us confess that truth. He is the God over all.